love you both. I've hated you ever since I can remember. I hate you, and I wish you both had cancer. Cancer? Yes, in the head. <gasps> I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Are you telling me you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? This is the Stupid Answer Show. Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> People seem to like me because I am polite and I'm rarely late. Don't worry, I got an idea. And now, the host of the Stupid Cancer Show, Matthew Sack. Not that there's anything wrong with him. Because he has a lot of chit spot. <laughs> oh, Welcome to episode 383 of the Stupid Cancer Show, the voice of young adult cancer. I'm your host, Matthew Zachary, a proud 20-year young adult brain cancer survivor, coming to you now from the Chemo Deck, our fabulous studio in downtown Manhattan. Broadcasting since 2007, the Stupid Cancer Show is a production of Stupid Cancer, the largest charity comprehensively addressing young adult cancer online at stupidcancer.org. My fabulous co-host, Kenny Kane, on the road to CancerCon. If he were here, he would be uh, welcoming all of our first-time and returning listeners and to tell you to never miss an episode by subscribing to our fabulous podcast on iTunes and following us on SoundCloud. All right, it's not okay, definitely not okay, that 72,000 adults are diagnosed with cancer each and every year. So, got cancer? Under 40? Sucks, huh? Time to get busy living, folks, because the stupid cancer show is changing the world one chemo infusion at a time. All right, I got a great show. Our final show before Cancer Con kicks off, we are featuring one of our incredible speakers, two of our incredible speakers, one of whom is a young adult survivor in our spotlight section. Yes, so CancerCon, our global conference, has evolved over nine years to probably become the largest event of its kind, serving the young adult cancer movement. Check out CancerCon.org. Our speakers also reflect the best and the brightest that the industry has to offer, so we're going to be welcoming CancerCon speaker Eric Cohn, who is a nurse, MS, OCN, and integrated nutritionist, and our survivor spotlight on young adult survivor Jenny Morgenthaler. And now it's down to us. Hello, Mallory. Hello. So Allie is in Denver. Kenny is en route to Denver. Sean is en route to Denver. Noel is leaving Wednesday, I believe, with, with me. With you. Yes, yes, and you're out tomorrow. I'm out tomorrow. And that's it. Thus begins the diaspora. It's happening. To our second home away from home. Yes. It's a big deal. Again, I I gotta say, like it's it's amazing how it truly I said evolved. It really has evolved so much. It never gets like less stressful, but it gets better to sort of wrap your head around. I I can agree with that sentiment. Uh change seeing last year, which was my first experience, yes. um, to this year, it's it's quite different. It's it's like being on the other side of a 
a mirror, you know what's going to happen. Like you're you're aware and yeah. you know how it's going to go down. Mm-hmm. And it's just getting yourself ready for it. Yeah, it's and all, exciting. And no, and then all the feels too. Like you're like, oh god, this again. But wait, this again. It's really cool. And all the people seeing all the people yes. who you have seen before and all, meeting all the new people. All we the have new people. So many new people coming. It's exciting. I know. We're over 66% new people this year. We are. Which is good. It's good. Very it's nice. great. Very I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing everyone's faces at the first time orientation. Yeah. I, I, I got to tell you, like, it's, I, 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 I was recently, so I'm writing a new piece for US News. You, you don't know this. And I'm basically over three parts the history of stupid cancer, like the precursor to the book that I'll never write is how did this all actually happen? And it really began, uh, again, in my origin story is that I finally met a young adult survivor who was a, a legislative guy in D.C., a brain cancer guy named Craig Lustig, really great guy, still a good friend of mine, introduced me to a group called the National Coalition for Cancer Survivorship, which I believe is either exhibiting or we had some talent there I believe, last year. I believe they're exhibiting. Yeah, yeah, I think they're exhibiting. NCCS had an annual conference that led to the Live Strong Summit in 2008, 2006, I'm sorry, that I went to. And that blew my mind because I was this fresh out of the gate. I wasn't an advocate. I was just barely coming up on 10 years in remission. I was married, but I just gotten married. And I, my career was, I was, you know, it's just like they get the kids. I was, a, I was still in flummox where I was. And I walked into this room at the Austin Convention Center in the summer of 06 and met a thousand people. A thousand people. That's crazy. And yes, this is 600 and some odd people, but it's still the same concept. You're walking in and a lot of people come. This is their deep end of the pool dive. They don't come to a meetup first. They come to CancerCon first. It's just that emotion of walking into the convention center and seeing a thousand people that all, all ages, all sizes, all walks of life, everyone beat cancer. It was amazing. That's and that's incredible. what we hope the... The, the inspiration is for them walking in the door here. Very exciting. So let's go over the, uh, so the road trip. And the road trip, uh, they hit up pretty much everywhere. They're on the way to Denver, I think, as we, the Salt Lake City meetup was today. Yeah, they're on their way. There is actually a meetup in Denver tomorrow. Yeah, so the Salt Lake to Denver is now. They hit up all the all the states. They hit up, I think he hit all 50 states. I, I believe Kenny has hit 50 states Across officially. five years of road yeah. trip. Yeah. Kind of exciting. Yeah, because he did he did the panhandle. I asked him, like, Florida wasn't on here. Like, we did the panhandle to Alabama one year. I was like, okay, that's fair. It counts. Yeah, Tallahassee counts. <laughs> it as counts. A stopover. Yeah. Yeah, 50 states over five years. Pretty amazing. We've been everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Johnny Cash song, All Too True, in our Camaro this year. Thank you to uh, Chevy for that. It's getting looks. It's getting great press, great reviews. The, the, the photos. Yeah. I mean, the car is pretty incredible. The, the car is insane. Absolutely insane. Yeah, so they just left um, Salt Lake. They were in Portland. They were in Seattle, Anchorage, Billings, Minneapolis. Um, they were in um, uh, Milwaukee, then Chicago, Ann Arbor, Columbus. It was amazing. And everything's being tracked online at stupidcancerroadtrip.org. We're posting webisodes online as we speak. And uh, it's been a really big deal, really big deal. We're very thankful to all of the groups that showed up, gave us support, rallied us around the country, the media outlets that gave more exposure than we could have possibly even asked for. Yeah, it's been exciting to see all the media outlets coverage. So let let's go briefly into the agenda. Uh, there's so there was a sixty. There's there's I think what are there? There's four, forty breakouts. There's forty breakouts over five sessions. Right. So there's eight options five times. Yep. That's insane. And one of those options is an hour and a half. For the first time ever, we have an Uber breakout that normally they're about an hour long, but 
We have one that's an hour and a half. And which one is that one? Uh, that's our third breakout on Saturday afternoon. There's a lot of different, very diverse sessions happening. Was this by demand? Like people just wanted more time for these specific subjects? Yeah. There, there, we got a lot of feedback last year that there were some topics that an hour just doesn't cover it. They want more time. So we're, we're giving the people what they want. No. And, and I, I'm always excited for feedback because yeah. we, we do it based on need and then we follow up on, did it meet the need? Yeah, it's exciting. The the feedback really does shape everything. And a lot of the sessions that we added this year are topics that people said that they've wanted before. We're really excited to bring for the first time ever a session on PTSD. Wow. And a session on chemo brain, um, which filled up very, very quickly, which is very exciting. I think what's interesting for me is the word, the PTSD is so associated with military. Yeah. And it's validated. It's clearly required and necessary in, in that, that line serving our country. But how do we not do a disservice to its sort of its allegory in the military through cancer? Well, I mean, the T does stand for trauma, and yes. there are many different forms of trauma, mm-hmm. um, which is it's kind of exciting to see that it's represented in the agenda this year, and we have an excellent speaker for it. Yes, it, very, very exciting. So we're going to kick off our show with one of our speakers, uh, Jenny, uh, who is one of our uh, – on the um, – was it the she's, Let's Get Physical panel? Yeah, she's a panelist for the Let's Get Physical plenary. But she's exciting. also a seven-year survivor, too. She is. In fact, all the folks on the uh, Let's Get Physical are Jason they, and Ethan. They are, Jason, yeah. Ethan, and Jenny. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, let's get Jenny on the call. In our spotlight, Jenny Morgenthaler is a seven-year cancer survivor and fighter of medullary thyroid cancer. We're going to find out what that is. Diagnosed at the age of 27. She is passionate about finding ways to be as mentally and physically healthy as possible, even in the midst of chronic cancer. She's passionate about using cooking, meditation, art, nature, and humor to help herself and others be as courageous and healthy as possible, again, in the midst of craftiness. Please welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, Jenny Morgenthaler. Hello. Hi, Jenny. Hi. Hi there. Very excited to have you on the phone. Where are you calling in from? I am from Inglewood, Colorado, which is pretty close to Denver. So you have the worst commute ever to get to this event. Oh, the worst commute ever. Yes. (laughs) Well, I'm very excited. Thank you for your willingness to support the conference with your talent. I think having a Let's Get Physical workshop, uh, a plenary session for that matter, so 600-some-odd people all get to experience what this is, is very powerful versus having it be a workshop or a breakout. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited. I've never done anything like that before, but I'm excited to share. Yeah, so no pressure. <laughs> yeah, no pressure at all. <laughs> so let's get started with your diagnosis. I mean, we, as you know, young adult cancer is typically not a conversation in the world of cancer. It's little kids and old people, which it's fine, right. but we're changing all that and getting sick at 27 is no better or worse than being six or 60, but it's very different. And your story is no exception to that. But let's talk about medullary thyroid cancer, because I believe that alone has its own stigma as well. Um, yes. So thyroid cancer kind of has this stigma of being the quote unquote easy cancer. Um, if, you know, if you're going to have cancer, this is the best one to have, um, which we all know. Uh, us cancer survivors know that's not true, 
but um, there are many, also many different kinds of thyroid cancers. Um, and medullary thyroid cancer is pretty rare. It's, I think, 3% of all thyroid cancers. Um, and it's actually a cancer, um, not of the thyroid cells, but of these C cells that are in between the thyroid cells. So um, it acts completely different than some of the other kinds of thyroid cancer. Um, you can't treat it with radioactive iodine. Um, so the main treatment for this cancer is surgery. And if you, um, hopefully, you caught it early and you have a sufficient surgery. But if you don't, that's when it can spread pretty early and starts causing you problems, which it did to me. So what are the symptoms of thyroid cancer? It, it, it is really technically a silent kind of cancer, right? Yeah, um, it depends. For me, I detected a nodule on my thyroid. I could actually feel a bump, um, which I got checked out. And, I mean, the lucky part was that I actually, I was diagnosed with the proper cancer. Um, some people are not. Um, the only other symptoms would would be if you are hypo or hyperthyroid and are having um, symptoms. If you're hypothyroid, usually some tiredness comes along with that. Um, hyper, usually kind of more um, nervous, heart palpitations, things like that. Um, but other than that, um, it is kind of silent. I think that it's interesting you point out that you were diagnosed the right way the first time, and that is incredibly atypical of young adults. So first and kudos to your doctors for being normal humans that listen to patients. But secondly, that must have been, uh, once you found out how worse, much worse it could have been a sigh of relief. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm very lucky that the diagnosis was correct. Um, I had some troubles, um, after that because medullary thyroid cancer is so rare that, um, I don't think my first doctors maybe had ever had somebody, a patient with medullary thyroid cancer. So um, I was, I had an inappropriate surgery to start out. Um, I, I've been through a lot since then, um, just trying to advocate for myself to find the best doctors possible who really are familiar with what I have. Did this all take place in Colorado at the time, seven years ago? Um, yes, that that took place in Colorado. Um, so after my first um, surgery, I had my whole thyroid removed. Um, I didn't know at the time that the treatment guidelines say remove the whole thyroid plus get an entire central neck dissection. Um, and my doctor didn't know that either. Um, so my cancer looked like it went away. My blood markers dropped down to zero and then um, started creeping up again a year later. Um, at that point, I had switched doctors, um, and we did the watch and wait thing for a very long time um, until I had another, I had another surgery, um, but by that point, it had already spread, um, so I've had... I've had a couple surgeries and some direct radiation. Um, it has spread to my spine and um, pelvis 
and um, various other parts of my body. So it's been a long haul. Wow. Yeah, and in and, and all seriousness, too, because we talk about uh, wellness and mind-body and nutrition and, men- mm-hmm. you know, and, and I was just talking to Mallory before the show, you know, PTSD has very typically and rightfully so been mostly associated with military and, uh-huh. and deservedly so. But if you, is there a delicate way to weave that into cancer, which clearly does have trauma and it can be the uh-huh. gift that keeps on giving? And no matter what you try to do, you do your best to make every day matter and what that means to the individual person. And what's your take on that? Um, I definitely agree. I kind of got chills when you said that because um, there's a specific event in my experience with cancer um, when I figured out um, I thought everything was okay and then I went to MD Anderson in Houston just just to get a second opinion just to check it out and found out um, all at once a doctor told me you um, you have a very large tumor on your trachea if you had um, surgery you'd probably lose your voice and I'm a music teacher so my voice is pretty important to me Um, so I do feel like at that point I still have some post-traumatic stress just from that and I think it's pretty real and it um, appears in different ways for us I think but um, yeah I think that needs to be taken seriously and a music teacher clearly is something that you have to choose to go into and be very passionate about. You may know that I'm a, a concert pianist by trade. Yes, and, yes. And, and so I, being given the opportunity to preserve something you love versus sacrificing something that may not be in your interest is a very unique opportunity and a choice to make. So, uh-huh. and, and so I, I totally get that. I try to relate to that. And have, yeah, so I'm reading here, you, you, you know, besides being a music teacher, you take food photography, which as anyone on, uh, I would say, Pinterest or Instagram uh-huh. would know is, is something you can very have a very unhealthy obsession with following. And then oh yeah, <laughs> your blog is Spoon With Me, which is the, probably the coolest blog name I've read in a long time. How, Why, uh, thank you. <laughs> so it sounds like you've been very in touch with your well-being for quite a while now. Did it surprise you that you got cancer? Did you ever go through the moment of, but I did everything right? Um, yeah, I did. Um, I, I try not to stay in that place because, you know, once you've got cancer, what can you do but move forward? But, yeah, I'm going. I've always um, taken pretty good care of myself. I'm pretty intentional about what I eat, um, even more so now. But um, even back then, um I try to, I try to make myself, um, you know, I'm, I'm meditative. I try to, I try to work on myself. So yeah, I was like, seriously, me? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, we get that a lot yeah. too, especially when we have like professional athletes that are like Ethan Zahn, who uh-huh. I believe, you know, you're going to, you're going to see, um, it was on your panel with you. Uh, you know, it, yeah. it doesn't matter who you are. You can still get sick. You can only do so much to, I don't, believe in the word prevention i i mean mallory doesn't like when i say this but the mm-hmm. only thing you can prevent is pet ownership so just don't get a dog <laughs> you can't prevent pet ownership <laughs> not one <laughs> exactly so you know it's 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 the choices that you can make so in terms of like how do you does it come in handy let me put it this way 
to already have been in this space of 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 uh, personal clarity or sustainable living to have something tragic or traumatic happen to you? Um, yeah, I really think it does. Um, I don't know where I would be if I hadn't had um, some sort of coping skills or focus on wellness. And that's not to say that people who are just diagnosed who don't have that can't incorporate some of those things into their lives to help. But um, I think having a meditation practice or even not even that far, maybe even just um, being able to sit down and have some breathing exercises to do for five minutes when you um, say you're in the waiting room to the um, doctor's office or you are in the MRI and starting to panic. Um, And then also, I mean, I'm on a a targeted therapy, an oral chemo drug that I have to take every single morning um, indefinitely at this point, hopefully not forever, but indefinitely at this point. Um, So I can either, you know, let the medicine rule me or I can say, okay, what, what things can I eat that um, will make my stomach calm down, will make me feel okay, and will support me. Um, And that might look different day to day. It might look different hour to hour. So I try to eat as healthy as I can, but healthy doesn't look the same every single day. Agreed. that makes sense. No, it it absolutely does. And, you know, we talk about cancer as a chronic disease. You may be, quote-unquote, in remission or disease free or no evidence, all these medical jargony terms that mean nothing mm-hmm. to people like you and I, when you're living every single day just to live every single day on top of figuring out what it means to just live your life every day on top of that. So, right. So, you came to CancerCon in 2015. Was that your first young adult event or had you been involved in other groups before? So, you, you went to FD, right? Yes, yes. So, last year, right, was the first year that I was involved in CancerCon, um, and I had a great time there. Um, and I have been pretty involved in First Descent, um, and that's really changed my outlook on life. Um, great organization. I've been on a few trips with them and just gotten to meet the best people. Yeah, and for those listening, First Descent is a really amazing nonprofit organization anchored in Colorado that does Young adult adventure, retreats, excursions, mountain climbing, hiking, surfing, skiing, kayaking, river rafting, cliff diving. I don't know what I'm missing. Balloon jumping. <laughs> all sorts of yeah, things. All, sorts, all the things that they do. But it's we're, we're huge fans of them. They're, they're good partners. I'm glad. What is your uh, first descent? Everyone's nickname. So what's your nickname? Oh, yes. My nickname is Flip Flop. Um, and that came because I was um, kind of freaking out. I can be kind of. Um, I like to see the whole picture. So I like to see both sides. So I was like, well, what about this? Maybe because I like to cook, maybe my name should be this or maybe it should be that. And somebody said, oh, how about flip flop? So (laughs) it's because of my indecisiveness. Well, I've never gone to FD because I aged out. And uh, back when when Alan Goldberg was running it, when I first met them years and years ago, I was like, well, I'm going to try Can't Make a Dream first, and then I'll go to the Planet Cancer Retreat. And if I like it, I'll – because I'm not – like an adventure kind of person. I hate water. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm not going to learn oh, yeah. how to roll a kayak. That would kill me. I wouldn't, wouldn't do that. So <laughs> I, I have an honorary FD nickname, even though I've never gone before. So mine is 88. 
for parents. 88. Yeah. Where does that come from? Well, all right, a music teacher, where does 88 come from? Oh, my gosh. Too much pressure. 88. Piano keys. I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, I'm, I'm not a pianist, so oh, okay. there you go. All right. Well, I, I can, I'll can. i give you a buy on that one, but music teachers, exactly. All right. So really yeah. quickly then, um, we got a few minutes left. Tell us about your goals and expectations, because you've gone from attendee to speaker talent for this conference. It's really an amazing pay-it-forward opportunity. What are you hoping that attendees of your plenary session, Let's Get Physical, gain? Um. I really hope that they um, just feel inspired that um, there are small things that they can incorporate into everyday life that really make a huge difference no matter what step of um, cancer survivorship they are in, whether you're in treatment, whether um, you are out of treatment and you're still just kind of coping with the aftermath of having cancer, um, and that it looks different for everybody. So, um, yeah, I think that's that's what I want to share. Yes, and, and just to read from your, your bio here, there are things like meditation, art, healthy cooking, nature, humor is clearly... Humor, the, the, That, yes. for me, is the grounding satire of the young adult cancer world. We can very clearly have this insane dark humor that makes everyone oh, else sure. feel awkward, but we love making them feel awkward about it. Oh, yes, yes. I have definitely done a few of those. A very um, inappropriately appropriately timed cancer joke is key. <laughs> yes. Good stuff. Well, again, thank yeah. you for joining us. Jenny Morgenthaler is going to be on the uh, Let's Get Physical Plenary at CancerCon this week. Seven-year cancer survivor, fighter of medullary thyroid cancer, diagnosed at the age of 27, blogging at spoonwithme.com. Do you have a Twitter handle? I don't. I uh, haven't gone to the Twitter side yet. All right. I won't hold you accountable, I promise. But Jenny Morgenthaler, thank <laughs> you so much for joining us on the Stupid Thank you show. so much. Okay. Take care. Okay, Mal. And now, the news. Hello, I'm Kent Brockman, and this is Eye on Cancer. Just the facts, ma'am. Head on over to events.stupidcancer.org. That's events.stupidcancer.org. Sign up for meetup alerts and never miss a meetup again. If you'd like to learn more about hosting your own Stupid Cancer meetup, visit stupidcancer.org slash meetup. Okay, there are events happening in Salt Lake City, Apache Junction, Las Vegas, Denver, Grand Junction, Glenwood Springs, Queens, Houston, and Baton Rouge. No one should face cancer alone because isolation sucks. Download Instapeer for iPhone, iPad, and Android today. Create your account and instantly start chatting one-on-one with someone just like you who's been there and walked in your shoes. Join our online global community of thousands of cancer patients, survivors, and caregivers on your mobile device right now. Instapeer. We've launched a new speed aggregator on Tumblr for all the articles, blogs, and stories we couldn't possibly have the time to post on social media. Check out what we're reading 24-7 and don't miss a beat. Subscribe at stupidcancer.org slash feed. For young adults, clinical trials are a red-hot mess. So, we're throwing our hat in the ring to make some sense of the madness. Introducing I Am Not a Trial. Real young adults, 
real faces and real stories plucked straight from our own community. Watch the entire video series now online at IamNotAtrial.com. Support our programs and services by heading over to StupidCancerStore.org. You'll feel great and look great in your new Stupid Cancer gear. That's StupidCancerStore.org. Be proud. Wear Stupid Cancer. And that is your Stupid Cancer News. All right, our main segment here, Eric Cohn, 2013 Leukemia Lymphoma Society Oncology Nurse of the Year for the Metropolitan Washington, D.C. area and integrative nutritionist, going to be speaking at CancerCon 2016 in a, just a couple of days. Please join me in welcoming Eric Cohn to the Stupid Cancer Show. Hello, sir. Hey, Matt. How are you? That's no small trophy to take ownership of. 2013 <laughs> LLS Oncology Nurse of the Year for the D.C. area. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, that was, uh, it was shocking, but it was great and fun, and um, I was very humbled by the experience. Um, you must be doing something right. How'd you get into nursing? Um, so, interesting question. It was not my first career. Um, I actually started out living in New York City trying to become an actor for about 10 years. I uh, really waited on tables, but nothing panned out that way. And I felt like I really wanted to do something in, in my life that would be a little bit, that would feel important to me. Um, I wound up, I thought about social work, and then I said, well, I like the medical side, wound up um, going into nursing. And um, at, at first, when I went into nursing, I thought I was going to do trauma and ER nursing. You know, it's fast paced, it's, um, it's intense, you have to know a little bit about everything. Um, but my first week of nursing school, I had a teacher who made us read this book called Life Support by Suzanne Gordon, who was an investigative journalist with the New York Times. And she wrote uh, this book. She, she uh, followed four nurses uh, in different areas for a period of three years. And I read the I, I picked the section on the oncology nurse because I thought no way in hell I'll ever do oncology. And um, I, I started reading that section. And as soon as I started reading it, it was pretty immediate. I, I, I realized this is where I need to be. Uh, and the reason is it's also fast paced. It's high tech. It's intense. You have to know a little bit about everything. But the thing that cancer has that, that oncology has that no other discipline really has those long um, uh, relationships, those, those intimate relationships that you get with uh, caregivers and families and survivors and patients. Uh, so it's been an incredible ride for me. I never look back. Um, I worked uh, as an infusion nurse. I worked as a um, uh, as a patient educator for a long time. I worked at Life with Cancer. I think you know Sage Bolte. Very well, um, yes. Yeah, and she and I worked together for about 10 years. And in that role, so that, that Life with Cancer is very nurse, social worker driven, so um, there were always, I was always working with social workers to educate patients and learn how to educate patients. And I learned a tremendous amount from them. I did a lot of support groups and I did a lot of public speaking and a lot of um, teaching classes. And the number one question I would always get asked was, you know, is there something that I can eat that will support me through treatment or after treatment? Um, so that my cancer doesn't come back. Like, what kinds of things can I do? And, um, you know, I had thoughts about it. I was always very into food and, and nutrition, but I didn't have the credentials. And so 
I went back to school, and in 2013, I graduated with my MS in, in nutrition and integrative health, and that's where we are today. Well, it's it, we've done a lot of work with pretty much everybody that we, I think, are share best friends with, including Sage Bolte, the Oncology <laughs> Nursing Society, APON, which is the right. Association of Pediatric Hematology College of Nurses. We do work with AON, yep. Academy of College of Nurse Navigators, and, of course, LLS has been our partner since 2008. So. Yep. Uh, I, I just, it's funny you mentioned Sage because speaking of nutrition and wellness, and I want to talk about how our first guest, Jenny uh, Morgenthaler, talked about w w how that played into her life. I go back, here's a funny story we can, we can all have a drink on. OMG 2011, our annual conference in New York in 2011, Sage was one of our speakers. Sage Bolte, for those listening, is a fabulous, how would you describe her? She, she called herself like a sexologist once, but she's so much more <laughs> than that. She got a PhD. She is like the social worker to the stars. She understands navigation and, and real human interfacing with cancer community, especially peds and young adults. So we had a speaker talking about nutrition, but it was, it was a very one-way conversation about you should do this, you should do this, you should do this. And Sage got up, <laughs> like almost like a rally, just got up with like pretty much a giant you know, cue card or something rallying and said, no, if my patient <laughs> wants this, I'm giving them this. So, and you can only imagine the kind of like, like insane crowd <laughs> shock there was that someone dared to stand up in front of 500 people and challenge what a keynote speaker was saying, but it goes down to everything that you're talking about. It's integrative, it's personalized, it's individual. And you know what? If exactly. broccoli is going to make you throw up, don't have broccoli. Exactly. Exactly right. If raw food isn't going to, you know, is it, too painful for you, then you, you want cooked food. There's not one diet that's right for everybody um, all throughout your life, right? So even as individuals, our diet needs change as we age, as we go through the life cycle. So there's never just one diet. There's no, not one way to do this. Uh, but there are some, I think, strategies um, for um, choosing your food, uh, for understanding the choices that you're making and what, uh, what impact those choices may have. I think there's definitely room for education for all of us on that. Um, and that's kind of what I bring to this session, um, this week. So Jenny Morgenthal and I were talking earlier in the first segment, and we've had this conversation with hundreds and hundreds of, of patients, survivors of caregivers, I was doing everything right, and I still got sick. Yeah, exactly right. Because we, we really still understand very little, ultimately, about why people get cancer. And, and, and I will say that you can eat the best things and still get sick, and you can eat really crappy, and there are people that smoke till they're 100, and they never get cancer. So, so obviously, there's still a lot that we don't understand. Having said that, I do think that there are things that we can do that will be health supportive. There are definitely some evidence-based things that we know will help improve your, your immune function, uh, lower inflammation. Those kind are the kinds of things that we're after on, uh, on a regular basis. The other thing is that, Matt, there's, it's not the occasional insult that's, a, that's an issue. So if you want to have that ice cream cone, your body is extremely resilient and you can go ahead and have that. It's repeated insults over time. It's the it's the really the the fast food, the processed food, um, 
the low nutrient choices that we're making all the time that impact your health overall. So it really is everything in moderation, but like maybe a little more uh, healthier than bad. So the moderation is the bad stuff, not the good stuff. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think that there's lots that we can do that are really about abundance. So I think when we start here talking about food, people think of diet and eliminating things. And I think the other side of that really is to how about look at the abundance of the things that you can have. There are so many things out there that we're not eating that we could be eating as our choices. I had the benefit of recently going on a, a metabolic uh, genomic diet based on uh, gene sequencing. It wasn't about calories and carbs. Okay. It was the, I think it was called the H HGC diet or something like that, but it wasn't really a diet because I've, I've, I lost 40 pounds and, and I've, change the way I think about food. I'm still having the occasional, like you said, bad stuff. But what I found yep. out, and maybe this is this is not for everybody right now, but in the gene sequencing that they did for me, my body does not reduce inflammation if I take cumin or turmeric. And it goes against all the conventional science and wisdom that these are two great anti-inflammatory things that you should be taking every day. And yep. I, I shouldn't be taking them. And I only know that because I went through this genetic test, which is not available for everybody. So it just goes yeah. down to you can only do your best with exactly. the information you have. Exactly. Uh, another thing I talk about is, you know, that we, we, we're really, all of us are on a journey, uh, hopefully a, a journey of lifelong learning. And we learn things about our, ourselves all the time. And we're all in a different place when it comes to, to our food choices. And really what we're just trying to do is move along the continuum from good, better to best. You're not trying to be best all at once. So in my talk, um, there will be a lot of things that people hear that they could do, that they could incorporate into their diet. There's no way you can do all, all of these things. It will drive you absolutely crazy and it's not necessary. If you pick just one thing and use that and stick to it, it will propel you on this journey of moving along from good, better to best. I think that's really the best. Right. So let's, let's, let's talk a little more about your, your talk at CancerCon this week. And, and so I would imagine, clearly you've been doing this for a while. What are the types of questions or maybe, you know, people tend to get angry because they, they just want answers and there's no one trusted source. The internet and Dr. Google are the worst things in the world. Everyone's got a book that tells you to do these things. How, how do you respond and what's been your experience giving this talk? Um, so, so it's usually very well received except for one section when I talk about dietary toxins where people go, what? That's a, that's a toxin? Uh, and we're talking about things that are um, uh, you would not think of as toxins. Those are things that people eat uh, sometimes every day, but I call them dietary toxins. And that is sort of sometimes inflammatory. Like for instance, um, soda is one of my dietary toxins. Uh, cereal is another one, but I don't want to give away the whole talk. Well, let um, me, so let, wait, let yeah. me just interject there. Is it, sure. should it, maybe this is just us being us, but should it be surprising to people that soda is bad for you? Uh, uh, no, not at this point. I don't think, I think there's a, enough word on soda uh, that I think that should not be a surprise anymore. But some of the other things that are in my talk will definitely be a surprise to people. Sure. Uh, 
sometimes they're, they're staples in people's lives that um, they really um, would be better off without uh, on many levels. So, um, <clears throat> uh, yeah, so, so soda, no, not so much. It's not really surprising, but at least what I will do is sort of give you the rationale behind that. There's some really good rationale for why that is the case. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, we talk about sustainable strategies and I talk about, I talk about food policy and how our messages have changed over time, the messages that we received. Um, and sometimes that that's difficult for people to confront because one of the things I talk about is fat. And, you know, we've been taught for years, 50 years now that fat is bad. Right. You've heard this fat, yes. is fat, saturated fat, all fat. Everybody should be on a low fat diet. Um, and unfortunately, that, that really couldn't be further from the truth. We, we, we need fat in our diet for a variety of reasons. And think about it this way. There are only three things you can eat in your entire life. From a macro perspective, there are three things you can eat. You know what they are? Twinkies, cronuts, <laughs> and uh, deep fried Oreos. <laughs> I want those cronuts. <laughs> but, um, the uh, no protein, fat, and carbohydrate. Yes. Right. Those are from a macro perspective. That's all you can eat: protein, fat, carbohydrate. So, why would one of those three things be really, really bad for you? It doesn't make sense. And and there now there's lots of scientific evidence backing that up. That that doesn't make sense. It's not correct. And fat is not the enemy. And actually, uh, the the reason that we have such an obesity epidemic now is because of low-fat diets, actually. So we'll talk about that. That is sometimes hard for people to confront. So, you know, people come to me as individual individuals. We go through their, their diet plan, and I, I, I'm encouraging them to have fat. Like, stop the skim milk. No more skim milk. We're going to be doing whole milk. Well, that's so fattening. And so we really have to – that's where I get a lot of pushback on. Well, you know what? I, and I was one of those typical American consumers brought up in the 90s, in my teenage years, when the low-fat, low-carb universe started to spring up. And it was all kind of manufactured in a sense, but I was watching the documentary Food, Inc., and yes. Andy Weil, who I know, really cool guy, um, sort of like the, the uh, Santa Claus of wellness and nutrition, if yeah. you would. Yep. Um, he had a really profound – Four words in that documentary, fat doesn't, that's five words, fat doesn't make you fat, period. Right. So that's I it. was like, why, why? And I was just like, I've been lied to for 25 yes. years. Fat doesn't make you fat, calories make you fat, period. And once you start to understand it from that perspective, it's fine to eat the butter and the whole milk as long as you understand that it's healthy fats that matter because drinking whole milk will have more calories but better fat than sugar filled skim milk which takes out all the good stuff exactly right. so it's really about blood sugar control right yes. what we need to do is control our blood sugar blood sugar is supposed to be in a very sort of tight range and and it slowly dips down when it's time for breakfast and it slowly dips down when it's time for lunch and you eat and you bring your your, your blood sugar back up to its baseline. It shouldn't be yo-yoing up and down, right? And um, uh, when you reduce fat, when you have, for instance, skim milk, and you take out the fat, well, what's left in what's left in the milk is sugar, 
right? It's lactose, which is milk sugar. So now you're drinking this basically liquid carbohydrate, which is going to spike your blood sugar and start you on this journey the same way that, that soda works really, which because it's liquid carbohydrate, gets right into your bloodstream, spikes your, your blood sugar. Now you need insulin and you're doing this yo-yo all day long of getting hungry. And at the end of the day, because you had the skim milk or you had the soda, you're actually taking in way more calories than you would have had you just had the whole milk to begin with. Agreed. Sense? You know, it completely yeah. agreed. So, so let's get into the practicals then. We have about uh, about five or six minutes left. The young adult survivor. Let's just focus on young adults. They're going through chemo. They're going through radiation. They're miserable. They're sick. They're depressed. They don't have the energy to get up. What can they do? Because they're the ones that are coming to this event that need to know. Please yep. tell me what can I do as me right now today. Right. So. Um, it's definitely different when you're in treatment than when you're past treatment. When you're past treatment, there's many more things that you can add in and do. When you're in treatment, you're already your choices are already limited because you lose your appetite or uh, you, you have terrible um, aversions to, to, to foods or you can develop aversions to food. You, you, you're fatigued. You just don't feel like eating. There's multiple factors that are limiting your food choices uh, to begin with. So the best thing for uh, someone going through treatment really is what, what I always tell people is it's protein first. So when you're not feeling well, um, you need to, to, the first thing that you need to try and do, get is um, some sort of protein, okay? Um, part of that, the other thing I say is that when the body needs to be nurtured, when you're not feeling well, the, we go back to Chinese medicine for this, the Chinese medicine philosophy, when you need to be nurtured, you need three things, warm, whole, cooked, right? And you, if you think about our own tr backgrounds, our own, uh, what our ancestors were doing, Matt, what do you know you're supposed to eat when you have the flu? Uh, uh, bowl of steam? <laughs> <laughs> chicken soup. Okay. Right? Yeah. We're supposed to have chicken yeah. soup. When you have the flu, you're supposed to have chicken soup, warm, whole, and cooked. I mean, this is traditional medicine. It's going back thousands of years of, of traditional use, what, what our ancestors did. And, and they knew instinctively what they need, needed to, to do. We have sort of forgotten um, a lot of that. Um, but, but basically for the survivor, it's warm, whole, and cooked. I'm not the survivor, the, the person in treatment. Warm, whole, and cooked, and protein first. Those are the first two things. If, if um, people lose their appetite, I tell their families, don't stress. The appetite will come back. If there are a couple of days when they really just don't get very much in, try to make it protein if possible, but their appetite is going to come back in a couple of days, and then they'll they'll make up for the lost time. So um, I, I'm very, very flexible with people that are in treatment. Well, then, Eric, also there's the, the reality check about, you know, don't just buy the canned chicken soup from the supermarket because it's full of crap that knocks out all the goodness it's yes. supposed to be, but then that becomes an issue of access and who lives near a Whole Foods or who in the middle of nowhere, Minnesota, when you're at a community cancer center, do they have a market and where can you get 
an actual right. chicken that was raised actually not by Monsanto. And by the way, <laughs> Monsanto, not a sponsor of the Stupid Cancer Show. How can you navigate the, the in, insane nuances of right. of of the the world we live in from an agribusiness perspective and that's a reality too absolutely is a reality so um you know the the first thing is uh typically it's a it's about fruits and vegetables and organic versus conventional and the most important thing is to get the, the, the fruits and vegetables right so so if you you don't have access to organic or you can't afford organic then conventional is much more important than not eating the vegetables at all you want the vegetables so to eat what you have access to and try to make it those things first. Um, I, I say that, remember, we're on this, this continuum of good, better, best, right? So if you don't have access to, uh, if, if it, your grocery store is just a, a food line, a regular grocery store, go to food line, but try to cook it yourself or have a, a, a caregiver, if possible, cook it. Um, um, you know, I would buy at the beginning of the week, I would buy a whole chicken and make and an onion and a carrot and throw it in a pot and boil it and uh, put some salt in there and uh, maybe some other seasonings and just make your own chicken soup. Right. So uh, I, I think it's wherever you are is taking one step closer to on or along that continuum is really the most important thing. Um, not having to change everything drastically all at once if that's just not possible. No, and I agree. And and just to dovetail on this, you're also contributing to the Just for Guys workshop at CancerCon as well. Yes, I'm excited about that as well. And so uh, I think in that talk, I'm, I'm excited to hear what the guys want to talk about. So I understand that this is a session that is a very requested session where um, guys feel like they can say whatever they want to say, and I'm kind of anxious for them to hear what they have to say. Uh, one of the things we're going to do is sort of pass out um, three by five cards, let people write down questions and send them up to the front. I would imagine that there'll be uh, a lot of talking about things like dating, um, when to disclose uh, when uh, that you've had cancer, um, what's it like to be in the workforce, telling your friends, um, uh, I don't know what 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 else do you think that the guys really will want to hear when they're alone in a room? Well, I only well, I, I attended one of the workshops. I think in 2014 I went to the Just for Guys, and it got very intense. I, eliminating women from the room in yeah. in those moments really opens up uh, such a non-threatening environment of dialogue that would never otherwise happen, and especially in the comfort of having 60, 70 other men in the room with yep. you where, you know, the range could be 16 to 50. The, yes. the, the playing field gets leveled because they're all man issues and everyone is, the empathy really comes out, at least in the one that I was at and the feedback that I get from the other ones that have happened. It's going to be surprising. And I, I, the only thing I can tell you is you can't really plan for it. You could do your best to yeah, work, exactly. to work with how it goes and, and you'll be really surprised. Yeah, I, and I'm I'm look, very much looking forward to it. I think it's a really cool session, um, and I I hope the guys will feel comfortable to just sort of say whatever is on their mind, and we'll go from there. Eric, I want to thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Uh, Eric Cohn, 2013 LLS Oncology Nurse of the Year for the D.C. area, will be speaking on cancer and nutrition 
and joining the Just for Guys workshop at CancerCon 2016 this week in Denver. Eric, safe travels, and I will meet you later. Thank you, Matt. See you soon. All right, take care. All right, that's our show. It's a good show. Yeah. Good show. Very exciting. The last one before it all This happens. concludes our broadcast week. We are, we are off next Monday to recoup from CancerCon. We will be returning on, what's that, the 12th? Uh, we Whatever are. Whatever the second Monday is of May. We are actually back on the 9th. The 9th, okay. Yeah. Yeah, because the 12th is not a Monday. <laughs> no. Doing calendar math <laughs> in my head is a bad idea. We are yeah. back on the 9th. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. And now it is time for our closing sequence. Prepare to activate. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the uh, internets. You ever seen a grown man naked? And so, to all of you, a fond farewell. Hooray, I'm helping. You are a meathead. Oh, Magoo, you've done it again. That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer. Okay, folks, that's our show. The 383rd episode of the Stupid Cancer Show. Never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast on iTunes and following us on SoundCloud. I'd like to thank our guests, Jenny Morgenthaler and Eric Cohn, for joining us. Broadcasting since 2007, the Stupid Cancer Show is a production of Stupid Cancer, the largest charity comprehensively addressing young adult cancer. Online at stupidcancer.org. Coming to you from the chemo deck. And on behalf of my whole team here at the Stupid Cancer Show, we hope you had as much fun as we did. Coconut stick and stupid cancer. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you back here on the next exciting podcast of the Stupid Cancer Show. Goodbye, folks.